0: Welcome to A Politic, episode 11. This is the progressive discussion of politics for people who hate politics. And again, our goal is to encourage voter registration and voter participation in a process of transformation of our society in a more progressive direction. And today, we're going to be discussing our sixth principle. This is the second part of our discussion. And the principle is that progressivism increases equality and opportunity for those who have been historically oppressed, particularly African Americans, Latinos, Native Americans, and women. Today we're going to look at the historical background of inequity and oppression. So we're going to take a look at the history of slavery in this country and we're going to be trying to do this in a 15 minute segment. So obviously we're going to just hit a few highlights, this is obviously a very complex subject, but we're going to try to present a few facts that you may not have ever heard and understand how this background fits into the current issue of increasing equity and opportunity. So I hope you'll enjoy this podcast and you'll tell your friends to Come and listen to what we're talking about and participate in our discussion. You can send your questions and comments, and we will discuss them as part of our agenda because you are a very important part of what we're doing here. So thank you for joining us, and here we go. Thank you for joining us for episode 11, and this is such a huge topic that today was part two. We were going to have one or two more episodes. We're still trying to figure that out, but uh, we certainly appreciate your joining us and uh, look forward to seeing you next time. Welcome to episode 11 of a Politic, And we wanna jump right into the topic of principle six increases equity and opportunity for those who have been historically oppressed, particularly African-Americans. We're gonna focus on that today. And so Steve, you and I have been doing a little bit of research. These are obviously huge topics Um, but, but we did a little bit of research and what we wanted to try to give people were some surprising facts that, uh, that we found in our research, we've been taught about this stuff when we were in high school and in college, but, um, some new information has come up. And so I'd like to start out with the first point, which was, and this is from p b s of the twelve point five million Africans shipped to the New world during the transatlantic slave trade, fewer than three hundred and eighty eight thousand arrived in the United States so uh people don't realize that almost five million people over a four hundred year pe- four hundred year period. Went to Brazil and slaves went. There were a total of about 10.7 million people who left Africa and survived the uh, ocean voyage. But actually, between 1600 and 1866, only about 388,000 came to the United States, so that, I thought that was kind of surprising. Uh, what did you find out, Steve? What, what were some of your findings?
1: Well, um, what was interesting was that um, in, in most of the in, information that I came across, uh, the entire uh, foundation of slavery really was tied to economic wealth uh, by people who were non African American, and that uh, much of the European and American economies were were powered by um, all, all the uh, the slavery that um, that took place. Um, the things that I came across, uh, I'm reading from uh, a list of uh, uh, points brought uh, to bear by Irma Jones. Um, And she wrote that um, the massive infrastructure required to move 8 to 10 million Africans halfway around the world built the cities of England and France. Uh, They went on to say that uh, with the invention of the cotton gin, uh, that then powered uh, the South's national economic dominance and transformed the South into a global phenomenon. British demand for American cotton um, made the southern stretch of the Mississippi River the Silicon Valley of its era wow um, and this was a really uh, interesting point. The defense of slavery more than taxes was pivotal to America's declaration of independence
0: wow and the
1: point that um, the point that um, Ms Jones was making was that uh, and I'm reading from her outline here we will the by the South way that, be
0: we will by the way be giving these in the show notes the uh, references to these facts so sure, go ahead Steve. sure sure go ahead
1: um but she she went on to say that and I'm I'm reading from her uh uh commentary The South had long resisted Northern calls to leave the British Empire. That's because the South had sold most of its slave-produced products to Britain and relied on the British Navy to protect the slave trade. But a court case in England changed all that in 1775. A British court um, ruled that slaves could not be held in the United Kingdom against their will. Fearing that that ruling would apply to the American colonies, the southern planters then swung behind the northern states' push for greater autonomy in 1776, one year later. America left its former colonial master. The issue of slavery was so powerful that it changed the course of history. And so had that court case a year before 1776 in Britain had not occurred... (laughs) <laughs> um, we might you know, not have
0: a. We might not have the American, you know, independence because the southern, right?
1: The southern colonies didn't coalesce behind the idea of breaking from Britain until this court case in in Britain in 1775. So uh, uh, that was something that I I have to admit I didn't learn in my uh, history classes, even at the college level.
0: Right. Now you said uh, something about I, Virginia being the most prosperous uh state as we were going into the revolution.
1: Um I do believe I I I'm, I'm not there was a, quite a bit of information in this uh this this um okay, this piece. Let me not interrupt. But the thing that, the, but the thing that really was stood out was the the point and then I, and then when I finish this uh, you might want to jump back in. But many firms on Wall Street made their fortunes from funding the slave trade. Um, it appears as if the investment in slavery was one of the most profitable economic activities throughout most of New York's 350 year history. Much of the financing for the slave economy flowed through New York banks. Wow. Marquee names such as J.P. Morgan Chase, New York Life. All profited greatly from slavery. Lehman Brothers, one of Wall Street's largest firms since 2008, got its start in the slave economy in Alabama. Slavery was so important to New York City that one uh, of the most pro-slavery urban municipalities in the North was the city of New York. So though slavery was outlawed in the North, there were interests Financial interest that that uh, profited from what was going on in the South. So it was really uh, uh, kind of a push-pull uh, bit of history back in uh, the pre-1860 era of the United States, or the you know, in the United
0: States. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Is there anything else that you thought was striking? Uh, let
1: me see. Um, Just basically, um, those things seem to to jump right out more than anything else. Um, One of the points was uh, until it was destroyed by the Civil War, slavery made the American South the richest and most powerful region in all of America. Slavery was the national enterprise, but the economic and political center of gravity during the U.S.'s first incarnation as a slave republic was the South. This was true even during the colonial era. Virginia was the richest colony. And here's a little bit of uh, the history that I think a lot of Americans understand. And George Washington was one of its wealthiest people because of his slaves. The majority of the new country's presidents and the Supreme Court justices were Southerners. So, uh you know, um uh, history can can be a very enlightening um uh tool but uh, a lot of the stuff that um i think a lot of people get in their formative years about american history uh is doesn't kind of flesh out all the finer detail of um who all really benefited i mean obviously the southern Plantation owners uh, and the economic engine of the South benefited, but it appears as if there were interests in the North, financial and economic, that benefited also by um, this uh, horrendous um, uh, aspect of our formative history.
0: Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Well, I want to share one other um, fact that I thought was surprising, that the practice of inoculation was introduced to America by a slave. And this, again, comes from NPR. We'll give the reference in the show notes. But one of a 1,000 people in African descent was living in the Massachusetts colony around Boston. And this one particular slave, whose name was Onesimus, was a gift of the Puritan church to the minister Cotton Mather from his congregation in 1706. And Onesimus told their pastor about the centuries-old tradition of inoculation practiced by Africa, or practiced in Africa, by extracting the material from an infected person and scratching it into the skin of an unaffected person that you could deliberately introduce smallpox to the healthy individual making them immune this was considered extremely dangerous at the time but cotton mather uh, convinced a particular uh, doctor who was influential in the congregation to experiment with this procedure when a smallpox epidemic hit Boston in 1721 and over 240 people were inoculated. Opposed politically, religiously, and medically in the United States and abroad, public reaction to the experiment put Mather and Dr. Boylston, who was supervising it, Uh, This experiment's lives in danger, despite the records indicating that only 2% of the patients requesting inoculation died, compared to 15% of the people not inoculated who contracted smallpox. So it saved, it was about a seven times greater savings of life in Onesimus traditional African practice, was used to inoculate American soldiers during the Revolutionary War and introduced the concept of inoculation to the United States in general. So, you know, when people are referred to in very poor terms who come from Africa, this is an example of one of the great uh, benefits to humanity that came out of Africa based on Early scientific <laughs> experiments, and smallpox was a huge problem in think, uh, the world.
1: I, I don't think uh, you know smallpox um, had a uh, vaccine until like the nineteen fifties or sixties. So, um,
0: well, this uh, actually was in the seven early seventeen hundreds. Yeah, so it it. Yeah, uh, it, it
1: you know, what's interesting about it all is this uh, African-American slave who had brought this medical wonder to the new world in, a, in our modern era. Do you know what the patent royalties would have been oh for my that Lord. gentleman? <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean, my goodness. I mean, um, the great pharmaceutical uh, giants of the world would love to have, have invented that particular that thing.
0: That was great. That was an amazing thing. So we'll end it here for today, but we just wanna say that there is a legacy of privilege that was derived on the backs of the slaves, and we see that continuing on. We'll talk about that again tomorrow. So thank you very much, Steve, for sharing that information.
1: Uh, Likewise, Bill.